dipping on some scissors. Playoffs. Dip, dipping on some zip, dipping on some scissors. Playoffs. Dip, dipping on some zip, dipping on some scissors. Playoffs. Dip, dipping on some zip, dipping on some scissors. Ladies and gentlemen, we are in the midst of a historic run in Philadelphia sports. Your Eagles are 6-0. As of recording, your Flyers, believe it or not, are 2-0. The Sixers are opening the season against the Celtics. And your Philadelphia Phillies are off to the NLCS. But more importantly than all of that is the Philadelphia Union who are going to begin the MLS Cup playoffs against FC Cincinnati on Thursday night at a sold-out Subaru Park in Chester, Pennsylvania. Really, it's the only game uh, that matters this this week for Philadelphia sports. The, uh, the gentleman you heard laughing in the background there is our guest for today's show. It's Pat Brennan from the Cincinnati Inquirer, covers FC Cincy for them, and uh, happens to be a local guy as well. Pat, what's good, man? Welcome. Kevin, thanks a lot for having me on. I, uh, I actually really do. I'm not just saying this. I, I love checking in with Crossing Broad. It helps me keep up with uh, everything Philly sports. And uh, it's a real pleasure to be on. So thank you. Thanks for thinking. Well, well I, I appreciate that. Thank you very much. And, and you are a Delco uh, guy. You are actually in Delco uh, as we are, are yeah. recording this. Yeah. So uh, where, where in De- where you, you are a Delco scumbag. Where in Delco are you from? Yeah. I, my Delco depravity is centered in the Havertown area. That's where I grew up. Um, and uh, parents still here, even though I'm out in uh, Cincinnati, Ohio. And uh, as soon as, um, you know, there's a cost cutting component to this too. But as soon as I, uh, you know, started talking with the home, the home office back, back in Cincinnati, it became clear to me that it would make a lot of sense to stay out in here in Philly. Whenever FC Cincinnati comes to the Mid-Atlantic, Kevin, yeah. I, the company will fly me into Philly, no problem, and then I'll just take an Amtrak uh, yeah. all, all the way up to Boston yeah. in some cases. So it's a really good setup. Uh, I've been doing it for years, even back when I covered Xavier basketball in the Big East. So yeah, man. Um, I love coming back. I love it's still home. Well, we're glad to have you, man. I mean, this matchup basically has you written all over it. You know, it's the, <laughs> team, it's the team you cover, and then the team, the team that plays in your hometown. Like, really, it's uh, it's the Pat Brennan Derby in, in more ways than one. If you think about, it. real quick though, I um, I wrote many Philadelphia Union stories in Delco because mm. uh, this is going to sound kind of pitiful, actually, but uh, you know, I'd go down to Union training and. Uh, you know, they're really, they're, they don't, they don't have, there, there's no media like work room down there. It's yeah. not like the Eagles. It's not, you know, like the Sixers or whatever, right? Like you have the press conference room and sometimes we would stay on the computer there and maybe try to throw something up quick, but there's not really like an area. So I would get in my truck and I would drive to the uh, Springfield mall <laughs> right off of 476. And I would sit there at the, uh, in the food court where where the it's like the most pitiful food court by the way there's like two things in the food court there's like a sabaro and there's like a tony yeah. luke's or something i would sit there and i would write off the union quotes that i just got because there's nowhere else to do it so yeah that being my main delco uh connection other than the time that i spent six months living in sea cane so okay. we uh, i guess we all have a little bit of delco in us you know well hopefully i think it's for the better actually that's not true it's definitely not for the better <laughs> yeah speaking of the springfield mall i haven't been there in years yeah. i heard it's a little it's looking a little run down 
Have you been, I'll, I'll answer a question with the question. Have you, uh, well, you didn't really ask me a question technically, but have you been in any shopping mall in like the last five years? Oh yeah. 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 King of they're Prussia. all looking pretty, they're all looking pretty bad. Aren't yeah. They? That's fair yeah. enough. That's, yeah. that's fair. <laughs> yeah, I, I grew up going to the Coventry mall and now there's like nothing there. The Montgomery mall is like the closest one to me. Now there's nothing there except like bath and body works is going strong, of course. But yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's kind of a sad, uh, state of affairs but uh you know yeah 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 but listen um what's what's not a sad state of affairs is uh this this game coming up on thursday i you know i gotta be honest with you man i um you know when i was doing the post game show when we were doing other iterations of this podcast you know people would ask like hey what do you who do you prefer who do you want to play who do you not want to play uh cincinnati was the team that i did not want the union to play um for obvious reasons of you know they didn't beat them this year right you got a one one draw and then you got a three one on the road Pat Noonan and Chris Albright being there, too much familiarity. Like, I'm not going to go Negadelphia here and get all scared, but the matchup to me is kind of gross, and uh, I'm wondering how people are seeing it out there. Yeah, I think uh, people – I think supporters of the, of the club um, are – they're reasonably confident, probably mixed with doses of reality about who and what Philly are. Yeah, they, FC Cincinnati had – um, a great season series. You'd take four points out of six against any team, uh, certainly, you know, the top team in the conference. And Philly's just been a standard bearer in this league for years now in so many capacities. So, yeah, people feel really good about, you know, um, how the season series went in the regular season. But th- there's still an acknowledgement there about who and what the union are, like I said, and it was really interesting. Uh, I got out to Chester yesterday on Monday to uh, do a couple interviews and um, I didn't, I, I had a general sense that the union players weren't wholly satisfied with their performances in the two matches against FC Cincinnati. Obviously they dropped four out of six points. You wouldn't yeah. be, but yeah. They they were like um, Andre Blake was like really disgusted, like really pissed off um, about especially the August sixth match in Cincy, the three uh, to one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, people, I think you know, again, there's a dose of reality mixed in with FC Cincinnati expectations. This is as good as a draw as it was going to be. You know, Red Bulls. Union, who are an incredible team, but they've played well this year. And I think that's the hope going into Thursday. And I have talked to a handful of supporters back in Cincy. They just would well, like to see a, a competitive match, I think. There, no one has, like, uh, an oversi- oversized expectations for what this match is. I'm not going to lie, man. I think that what happened in the Major League Baseball playoffs kind of has me weirded out a little bit. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, because it's almost, it's almost like you could make a connection here that since he is kind of like the Phillies, like probably just happy yeah. to be there after some shitty seasons and, um, you know, playing with house money. I'm a big yeah. believer in the house money narrative. So am I. So am know? I. Because, like, you know, I don't think anybody expected them to be there and to win a playoff game. And then, like, the sky's the limit now. I mean, they've already overachieved, really, for this year. If you can, you can make that argument. And then, you know, on the union side, it's like Alejandro Bedoya is still not totally there. You know, they yeah. haven't played. They haven't played very well after layoffs this year, after long layoffs to so the bottom. Yeah. 
you know, the first game that Union and Cincy played was after the international break. Neither mm-hmm. team played for like three weeks in a row, but uh, I don't know. And the expectations are on the Union's shoulders, but, um, you know, it's interesting to hear you say that about Blake and the other guys, because I guess I didn't really think of the like revenge game kind of angle, you know, um, but that makes a lot of sense for them. I don't know. What do you, what do you make of, of number one, uh, the house money thing, and then number two, like the Union kind of, you know, feeling like they're the team that has to prove something? Yeah, I completely agree with both of those points. I, I saw the your house money theory, and I subscribed to it too, in action uh, at Red Bull Arena on Saturday. FC yeah. Cincinnati just, you know, whether they had whether it was the moments where they were the rare moments where they were absorbing pressure from the Red Bulls or applying pressure of their own, which didn't really come until the latter stages of the match. They just did it with such confidence and at times not reckless abandon, but abandon nonetheless. And I put that down to the fact that they were just happy to be there. I think when all was said and done in the regular season, since he got in with an emphatic win, they punched their ticket with an emphatic win on decision day, but it was against DC United. So you don't really know what the value of that is. Yeah. Um, the match where they wanted to wrap it all up um, on October 1st against Chicago, they played probably their worst match of the year. So much like the Phillies, they really did not have – it. like it was fits and starts in September for FC Cincinnati. They did kind of – part of me did feel like they were backing into the playoffs and, you know, all bets were off. But they're, they're playing um, with no pressure and um, – yeah, there, there, there's there at no point during Saturday's match did I think, you know, this is a team that's uptight. I'll tell you though, um, one thing that does intrigue me, and I'm interested to see about FC Cincinnati is like they there was no atmosphere at Red Bull Arena, which you expect that any match, any time right. of year there. Which, by the way, day. can I interject real quick? Yeah, that, that is such a nice arena. It's amazing. It's, it's such incredible. an amazing. It's like a, it's a shame that that nobody's ever there for that, you know. It's but I crap. I'm sorry. It's no. I, I'm totally with you there. And it just obviously, this is the biggest talking point in that whole conversation. The metro area in New York City, being the size that it is, you can't find like twenty five thousand people for a playoff. Whatever. I know. I know. It's their yeah. problem. It's been their problem for decades. Yeah. I hope yeah. they can figure it out, but we'll yeah. see. Um, it was a noon kickoff at Red Bull Arena on top of all their usual problems trying to draw a crowd. There was no atmosphere. Like the fans that came out like were admirable. Their supporter section, their SGs were like super louder than I'd ever heard them. So Mm -hmm. like everyone that showed up did their part, but there was still no atmosphere. This will be a real playoff atmosphere on Thursday and probably the most ferocious atmosphere FC Cincinnati's ever played in. Yeah. Uh, I'm interested to see how they respond to that. And I'll wrap this up real quick just on the last point. Mm-hmm. I, I do think the expectations are of Philly, obviously, on Thursday. Maybe that makes them come out and play tight. But I've had this theory, and it was really, you know, maybe there's a little confirmation bias there. But it was really confirmed for me yesterday, just being around the group and parach- it, I I'll grant you, I parachuted in. But, you know, there's a there's a real edge. Like, Andre Blake, I don't know what he's like on a regular basis, but mm-hmm. he was really edgy, really edgy. Um, yeah. Even yeah. Jack McGlynn seemed like he had an edge to him and he seems like a pretty happy go lucky young guy. And um, the, you know, Philly, 
could if I'm a vet, if I'm Ali Bedoya, who obviously you know we'll see what his role is on Thursday, but an Andre Blake, like I'm going into this postseason with the Union thinking like yeah. I could re- I could have two MLS cups in my cabinet right now. I could have two shields. Instead, I have one shield and no cups. Yeah, I'm pissed off, man. I am angry. And I don't think that's a good scenario for FC Cincinnati. Well, and I I think the thing, too, is that, like, I'm a big believer in the idea that these guys are battle-hardened, man. I mean, this core, this union core has played in the playoffs, played in the playoffs in 2018, 2019, won the Shield in 2020, went to the Champions League semifinals against Club America in 2021, went to the playoffs last year, probably should have went to MLS Cup last year. Absolutely. We're talking the entire core of Glessness, Elliott, Blake, Bedoya, um, Martinez. I mean, that's like basically their entire spine and then like you know, two of the midfielders as well at the same time. And like, I look at Cincy and like it's a good point about them playing in a, in a soulless Red Bull arena in the afternoon – because, you know, I'm thinking, like, who who are the Cincinnati players that have, like, been there before? Jeff Cameron. Nick Hagland. Um, maybe. Nick Hagland. In Lucho, MLS. Yeah, in MLS, Lutro Casas played p- playoff games and in, in whatever. But to me, if you're looking for, a, like, a line of demarcation here where, where if you throw all of the on-field stuff out and just look at, like, the intangibles, like the home crowd night game, the fact that these guys have been there before, that's the biggest advantage that I would give to Philly by far because I just think – you know, it's weird, man, because they, they don't – it was interesting for me. And I went back and I watched, um, you know, Cincy Red Bull, uh, then both of the Union Cincy games, not in full, a lot of fast-forwarding and stuff. But, <laughs> yeah. But the, 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 um, Cincy is the type of team, like in deployment and the way that they play, that, that the Union have had success against within the past, which is, which is to say that, like, it's a three-man back line. You got your wing backs going back and forth. I guess Cincy plays, like, more like a three – four one two if you want to call it that or whatever but the union usually have a lot of like success like getting into the gaps like playing early transition just like keeping teams stretched and running and uh like for for whatever reason they just you know especially in that three to one loss out in cincy they just had a lot of trouble with acosta like jose martinez was having trouble kind of keeping track of him and like dispossessing him and you know vasquez is like a taller a bigger guy who makes good smart runs and then you know brenner has come all come along a lot of you know, in a big way lately. And I just, I feel like that front three is like tricky for them because they do a lot of different things. That's like my number one take. And then the other take is that I just feel like the union have done well against those kind of defenses this year, but they didn't do it against Cincy for some reason. Yeah. That which is super strange to me because um, the union were the best attacking team by several metrics this mm-hmm. season and FC Cincinnati can, you know, flatter themselves about, how the back line has improved. And certainly like Matt Miazga coming in has been huge for them in the yeah. secondary window. And, you know, Alvis Powell is Alvis Powell kind of, again, you know, you guys saw what he did yeah. about the stadium. He, he's been there before. Yeah. Now I forgot to mention him and, and Miazga. Yeah. I mean, I guess the guys who comprise that back line have all played in high level. Yeah. But like, they just, they haven't played cohesively this year. You know, they, um, it was pretty leaky you know, defensively, even after, well after Miazga got in the team. So it is strange to me that um, the union weren't able to break this this club down. And I just, you know, I, I, I put it to Brandon Vasquez, in, who is, you're absolutely right, he is a, however big he looks on TV, he is 
all of that and more in person. Really, let me ask you a serious question here because yeah. they've got him. They've got him listed at like six foot two. He does not look six foot two to me. No, man. I, I if you'd asked, I didn't. I didn't know what he was listed at. If uh, if you would just ask me how tall I thought he was, I would say six four, maybe six. He four looks like he plays six four. I don't know where I saw six two. I think I just googled him. And the first thing that came up sure. was six two. I'm like this guy looks like he's six three or six. He's Matt. He, he's so big. He's so powerful. Uh, he has the best posture I've ever seen of any person from any walk of life. And uh, he's, he's, he really is just like a super imposing guy, but I put it to him like, um, you know, what, 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 what is it that made this team so successful against the union this year? And, you know, he kind of, he didn't, he didn't have concrete answers for me. It was just like, we're not going to change our game plan now. You know, we're not afraid of anyone. It's kind of like that confidence I alluded to when we first started talking here. But, um, you know, they went 3-2-7 three, three, and seven against the Eastern Conference playoff field this year, and the two losses were both to Montreal. And hmm. they won't have to worry about Montreal for at least another match if they were to somehow get through Philly. So yeah. um, it's a strange one. It's a strange this, – this, you know, that was the high water – beating Philly was the high water mark for this team. It was their best performance. It was the one that convinced me they had the ingredients to be a playoff team. Um, but the other flip side of that is I don't, I don't know over the totality of the two-game series, I don't know how they actually got four out of six points off of Philly. It's, uh, it's a strange one. And maybe to you know, the credit of the guys I spoke to at, in Chester yesterday, um, it did seem like they were hesitant to give FC Cincinnati full credit for those wins. And they thought that their own, their lack of performance factored into it heavily. And, uh, you know, if, if maybe there's something to that. That's always a weird, t- yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know if I like guys saying that because it just, I mean, it's honest for sure, but I mean, yeah. normally you just give credit where credit's due. I, I, yeah. it, could, it could comprise bulletin board material. If you believe in that, I, I, you know, yeah, but going back and watching, I, I took some notes on this game. So June eighteenth, it was Union one, since he won. This was at uh, Subaru, coming off the big international break. I don't think either team had played for like three weeks. Yeah, Bedoya opened the scoring. He had that left-footed curler. Uh, that's the one where he got uh, down with Tyler Blackett on the end line and dispossessed him. It could have been a foul. Um, yeah, they, they could have blown the whistle there. And then the Cincy equalizer was on the it was on the set piece where Vasquez Weird one. was Weird just. One. Yeah, yeah, he kind of squirted free on the back post. There was a header. The Union didn't win the first ball, came back on the back post, and then I think he got injured, actually, with Andre Blake, like <laughs> kicked him in the head or, or yeah. something like that. Yeah, he had, uh, a nice, he had a nice gash on the old yeah. forehead. Absolutely. I actually should have broke down that that play. I, I do the breakdown sometimes on Twitter. Yeah. That, was an, that was an interesting case in, in mixed uh, man and zonal marking because yeah. when you don't – when you're playing a mix, the guys who don't have marks on those second balls that are coming back over, they leave them. You know, so it's a, yeah. because you're not following the guy because you never had a guy to begin with. So now yeah. it's like, oh right. shit, I got to turn around and find a guy. And he just, you know, <laughs> yeah. squared it through. Um, Celentano had a big save on Gaj Dog in that game too, near the end of it. And I think, like, as the final whistle blew, I, I think since he had like a three, three on one going and then couldn't convert. But that was kind of a, you know, that was one of those, Pat, where it was like, you know, you go to MLSsoccer.com and they have like the, the abbreviated, um, you know, highlight reels or whatever, they go up to like 15 minutes, depending on how much happens in the game. Yeah, this, yeah. this one was like three minutes long. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't really get into the weeds with that one. No, no, it was weird. So then the second game, 
you know, since he had a goal that was ruled offside uh, with VAR, actually, I think there was an offside. Yeah. Um, then Vasquez. Handball, I think it was a runner. Uh, like upper upper arm hand. Upper ball. arm. Is that what yeah. happened? Yeah. Okay, right. And then um, Vasquez scored the opening goal. You know, one thing he does really well, this is actually what he did in the game winner against Red Bull last week is that he's so good at just like hitting the posts, like uh, not kicking the ball against the post, but like attacking the near post or attacking the back post Um, for him in each of those games, respectively to just cook Glessness at the near post and then cook Aaron long at the back. Like he's deceptively fast for, for, for a big dude. I don't know if he just has long strides or whatever, but it was funny because last week, man, that was such a Philadelphia union goal. You know, the ball (laughs) is one. Just uh, head up, boot it. Sergio Santos on the left side, just first time uh, cut it across. And, like, I was impressed by that because that that looked like something that came off the Union, like the Union film session, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, when you've got this much Philadelphia Union influence in a team, it's probably fair to say there's some uh, Union fingerprints uh, all over that goal for sure. What What does Noonan say when you ask him about that? Are you asking about Jim or Philly? Ah, it's, he was quickly, well, you know, he's been dealing with those questions all year. It's it's because they, I, I, I was going back and watching some of these highlights myself last night and um, I had forgotten that they actually, they played in preseason as well. So right out of the gate, like in, you know, January or early February, whenever that match was down in Florida, we were peppering him with, uh, you know, the, not cliche stuff at that time. Now it's become cliche, but just the Philly connection stuff. Chris Albright got some of it too. You know, Harris Madunian was still on the team. There was just so much of it. I, I think Pat has tried to downplay it. And after the Red Bulls match on Saturday, he finally, he like opened up a little bit. He's not a guy that offers like personal anecdotes at like really personal stuff. Yeah. But, um, he said he, he, he thought the storyline going into Thursday was neat. And that was his word. This is neat. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, he, I think he loves these games against Jim. Uh, I think he, he loves Jim. My impre- Jim was good enough to give me like 15 minutes yesterday, which was totally not what yeah, I he's, he's He's the man. He's like the he's best, best coach I've ever worked with. Yeah. He's incredible. And yeah. um, Pat is, you know, kind of like here's here's jim you know pat's right here they're just incredible people to be around as people um there isn't that kind of the thing too like the way if you're willing to give 15 minutes to some media guy that you don't even know yeah um then imagine what he's like with his players behind the scenes exactly yeah i mean i was an interloper in chester yesterday i got a few i seriously i got a few cockeyed looks when people realized I was from the Inquirer, kind of a failure to understand the role of the sports journalist there for sure. But well, also, traveling media being there at all for a, yeah, for a practice. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, that, that could also be, that yeah. in itself is just rare across all of MLS. I, yeah. Yeah. I have empathy there, but um, yeah, uh, my, I got a really good picture of like the, the depth of the relationship. And there's just like, an incredible – I think they're just – you know, b- between the three of them, Chris, Jim, Pat, they are uh, kind of this best friend triumvirate. It sounds lame, but yeah. that's what they are. And uh, I think Chris and Pat 
leaving the union has that's taken a very human toll on Jim because his two best friends went away and you never know in life if you're going to link up again professionally. Yeah. Uh, they, they keep in touch. I would be shocked if uh, Chris didn't have Jim down in sea Isle at his place in sea Isle, <laughs> yeah. Over yeah. you know, yeah. at some point, maybe multiple yeah. times, but yeah. uh, you know, Pat also hit uh, there. All, all three of them are familiar with ocean drive. Which, yeah, I'm not surprised either. I, I used to run into Brendan Burke all the time everywhere, who was the um, Bethlehem Steel Union 2 coach. Yeah. I, I ran yeah. into him in the bathroom at like Mad River or something in Old City. <laughs> I don't think I've ever said that on this podcast before, but I was like three beers in and I was wandering downstairs and like I'm standing there at the urinal. I turn around and Brendan Burke walks <laughs> into the, to the thing. Like, hey, coach, what's going on, man? Yeah, what's up, Kincaid? Yeah, you know, so. Yeah, yeah. But those are, you know what's funny about all this stuff, by the way, is like I was reading uh, Sir Alex Ferguson's autobiography. Okay, cool. And I was just like stunned with how much he would just talk about like the human side of his players. Yeah. You could drill everything into him perfect. You could do the best film sessions of all time. You could have the best talent. You could be like the most organized team with the best tactics or whatever. But it was like him talking about stuff like, hey, I'm going to call my player when I know that his like mom is sick or, you know, the yeah, kids like the, the kids, uh, his kid has like an ear infection. I know he's like worried about that, you know, so like making the extra connection to just yeah. like care about these guys. It's like this reciprocity. You know what I'm saying? It's like I'm going to give a shit about you. And therefore, in return, they're going to give a shit. You're about me. Yeah. 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 And I think that's why they get so much out of him, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that the, the case is true with Jim and uh, and Pat as well. And Chris, Chris, I, I talked to Jack McGlynn about like Chris's impact on his young career and just how hands on and involved. Obviously, like it's Pat's it was Pat's job as an assistant here to be very hands on with guys like Jack. But even Chris, just the fact that he's out at training, you know, nine times out of ten. Whereas in the past, you know, any technical director or GM that I've worked with in the past, like I'm sure they're off working somewhere, but they're definitely not down on the field at training. And there was just a a personal touch there that you yeah. got with all three of those guys that yeah. uh, is, is I think I'm in some position to say it, <laughs> it's rare in the game. It and, is. And it's it pretty is. cool. It is. Yeah. I, you know, it's, it's almost weird for me to say this, but it's a bummer that somebody has to lose. On Thursday. It is. It is. I mean, look, I think, I, like I said, I went in with a theory. I went into Chester yesterday with a theory about why this team would be edgy and mad, potentially. And I think, you know, this is a great opportunity for a organization and a team and a coaching staff that really deserves it to go and win MLS Cup. I hope Philly does that. Um, on the flip side, uh, just having seen the, those personal touches and, uh, you know, kind of the Philly Union fingerprints and the, the way it's not that I'm from Philly and that Philly was, you know, that I was a season ticket holder in the River End for a season when they were first born. Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do with that, but, you know, the kind of organization Philly is, the fact that the way they do things has rubbed off on FC Cincinnati. It's, it's two teams that are really easy to root for two yeah. head coaches that are really easy to like. Mm-hmm. And 
generally really, really likable players. It is a shame. I agree with you that someone has to lose on Thursday. Uh, Last one, and then I'll let you go. I appreciate the time, man. Of course. I'm not going to ask you like for a prediction or anything, but I'll do a, how about we do a fill in the blanks uh, question here. Um, If uh, in order for Cincinnati to win on Thursday blank, they have to, I think they're going to have to weather a storm for the first 15, 20, maybe uh, 25 minutes. Again, just because of the atmosphere. I know the union have been selling standing room tickets for, like days and days now, it's just yeah. going to be crazy. They won't have experienced anything like that this year. Um, yeah, FC Cincinnati just needs to keep their heads above water in the first half. And the longer they can keep within touching distance, like if there's an Ali Bedoya goal, like the one we saw in June early mm-hmm. in the match, mm-hmm. I think it's curtains and Philly probably gets on top and stays on top. Three quick notes, and then I'll sign off here. Sure. Number one, if they don't have Bedoya, um, I hate Jack McGlynn on the right side because he's a left mm. player. I think that's a big <laughs> And I'm paying close attention to that. Number two, attacking-wise, they just got to release Mikhail Orr and Julian Carranza early. Hit those gaps you know, yeah. um, in the channels because you're playing a three-man back line. You know, do what you've done well all year long. And then defensively, Jose Martinez has to, has, has to have a huge game because – when you're playing a three, four, one, two, you know, in each of the center backs, one of them's going to have to deal with Brenner. The other one's going to have to deal with Vasquez. They can't look at Lucho Acosta coming down their throat, right? So yeah. Jose Martinez yeah. has to patrol the midfield like a motherfucker and follow him around. Don't let him turn, get up on his back, but be smart at the same time and don't pick up an early yellow card. And I think if they, if they just come out alert and they show the, the, awareness and like understanding and they're ready to go um, from the first minute. I think they'll be okay, but I think it's a tough matchup. I think it's going to be a good game and, you know, hopefully uh, the the fans get a good one. Do you, uh, do you have a prediction? Yeah, I think since he scores, I think it's, I think it's close. I, I, I'm feeling like a two to one union. Okay. Even, even like a three to two or something like that. Yeah, I, don't, sure. I don't think they keep a clean sheet against Cincy, but I do think that the union are the better team and they're playing at home. Yeah. So. I don't think that's a crazy. Uh, that's no. I think oftentimes, and especially in MLS, when yeah. MLS soccer is going the way you expect it to, and that doesn't always happen. Um, when it's going the way you expect it to, I think that's that should that should be enough. Yeah, sure. yeah, right? for sure, for sure. Um, ladies and gentlemen, Pat Brennan from the uh, Cincinnati Inquirer. It's uh, if you want to follow him on Twitter, it's uh, at p brennan. E-N-Q, E-N-Q. They spell uh, Inquirer differently. Yeah, uh, Inquirer with an E versus my hometown Inquirer with an I. Inquirer, Inquirer. Between Pat and uh, Tannenwald, we have two two good Inquirer reporters at the (laughs) game on Thursday night. Thanks, man. I appreciate it, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll do it again, all right? Yeah, thanks a lot, Kevin. I really appreciate it, man.